0: If you turn with me in your copy of the scriptures to Daniel chapter 10. We've been walking with Daniel for several months now in the times that I've had with you. And basically we've covered 70 years of his life. Daniel is in his 80s probably. And at the moment that we look into this chapter. And we come to this part of. Scripture as the, in the book of Daniel, it's the, the last vision that God has to give to us through Daniel. It's at the, towards, apparently towards the end of his life. Let's pray together as we prepare to hear God's word. Father, you have spoken through your servant Daniel. Your servant has spoken what you have given him to say and you have preserved it by your spirit for us. And today, again, speak, for we, your servants, are listening. In Yeshua's name, amen. Chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. And in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. The time was probably about 536 BCE. There had already been a group of, of exiles that had returned to the land of Israel. They had probably been there for maybe a year or two. And we know from the book of Ezra that they were beginning to experience opposition to rebuilding the temple. So perhaps that was the occasion for Daniel turning his heart To an intense time of focused prayer. Perhaps the vision that he had had from Daniel 9, which had happened and he had been thinking about, or the other visions that he had had in chapter 8 or chapter 7, perhaps these had been ruminating in his mind as well. And of course, Daniel's heart was stirred for the Jewish people, for his people. And he was concerned for the welfare of Jerusalem. And most of all, through these, he was concerned for the glory of God, for the honor of God. So he was in a place where he set himself in a concerted time of prayer. In verse 1, he calls his name. He reminds us that his name was, that was given to him by the Babylonians was Belteshazzar. And he talks about the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. This takes us all the way back to chapter 1. Chapter 1 is where Daniel was carried into exile, and he was named Belteshazzar. Chapter 1 is also where, at the end, it says that Daniel would remain until the reign of Cyrus. And so that speaks to us of the fact that this book is a unity It is not a piecemeal kind of thing. It is all together. Still talking about the same man, this same Daniel. Still talking about his relationship with God and the visions that God gave him. Daniel was seeking God for understanding in those days. And perhaps he was at a place in his life where he had less responsibilities in the government Perhaps he was able to take three weeks off to pray. Whatever the circumstance and situation, Daniel was impressed by the Lord to draw aside for a time to seek the Lord. He was probably not doing a complete fast, but probably just very limited intake of food, maybe even just bread and water. Seeking the Lord in these times Now, you and I know that the relationship we have with God is a relationship of grace. That means that the relationship we have with God is not based on us earning or deserving that relationship. That it is based on us trusting God and what he has done for us. And so there is never... A way that you and I can make God obligated to us by what we do. Fasting puts God under absolutely no obligation. It doesn't twist his arm. It doesn't make him do anything. It doesn't back him into a corner. What fasting does is that it helps us to focus. We as human beings, know that food is an important thing that God has given us. We need food and water to live. But God has said in his word that man woman shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we realize that our lives do not consist of meat or food or eat or drink primarily. Our lives consist of the very word of God sustaining us and keeping us. And so there do come those moments in our walk with the Lord where God draws us into a time of letting go of physical things, in this case food, that we might focus on eternal realities and particular relationship with him. And so Daniel lays aside food, sets aside time, and we're not told... What he prayed. I have tried to imagine in my mind, what did he say to God for three weeks? Some of us, over time, have trouble talking to God for five minutes. I know early in my walk with the Lord, uh, I got fidgety after a few minutes of talking with the Lord. But as time goes on, as the relationship grows, There's all sorts of things to talk about. There's every aspect and dimension of life, and you have experienced it in relationships with people, have you not? I hope each of you has at least one really good friend, human, that you have been able to talk to and share your life with. And there are those times where you can talk for hours about everything under the sun, And it's a glorious gift that God has given us, this gift of communicating, this gift of knowing, of personality interaction. And so I imagine Daniel conversing with God over these three weeks of time. As we have caught a glimpse of his prayer life in chapter 9, we know that his life was soaked with scripture. So I'm sure that there was much scripture involved he had been reading the book of jeremiah in chapter 9 and there are indications that he had copies of the scriptures of the torah and perhaps he also had copies of other parts of the scripture of the psalms perhaps he had most of the tanakh and he was certainly using that as a springboard as a as content for his conversation with god it says in verse 4. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked. The 24th of the first month, that's Nisan. The 24th day, he had been praying from the 3rd to the 24th. That's right over Pesach. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was during that time as well. So during the time when all of Israel, all the people of God through that festival are reminded of God's deliverance, God's rescue, God's bringing his people out of bondage in Egypt and bringing them on their way to the promised land, the Passover lamb, the protection that God gave. During that time, that is when Daniel was fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. And after... Pesach had ended, it would end on the 21st of the month. After it had ended, then a few days after that, that's when Daniel had this encounter. Now, the Tigris is a fairly long river, so there are many places in Babylon where Daniel could have been. Perhaps he was relatively close to home. Being an elderly gentleman, perhaps he would not travel far. But he was perhaps walking by this river, continuing to pray and meditate. Often, I have found it very wonderful when I'm seeking God and talking to God to be out in his creation. One of my favorite things to do is to take a long walk, especially in a forested area, preferably with a mountain or maybe a stream nearby or right in the midst of it. And in those moments, that helps me to encounter God. I see his creation. I see what he has made. I think trees are one of the most wonderful things God has made. They perfectly praise God, and yet they're never in a hurry. Have you noticed that? That, that helps me a lot. But he was walking by this glorious river. Perhaps at this particular place, the river was maybe close to two kilometers wide. A glorious, powerful river. He had some friends that were with him. We aren't sure who they were. We aren't sure if they had a connection with God or not, but they were with him. But he says in verse 5 that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of Uphah's. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. A powerful encounter with a heavenly being. The atmosphere was the atmosphere of heaven. The atmosphere was so powerful and overwhelming that these men with Daniel fled away to hide in terror. Verse 8, Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. We've talked before about how we, God's people, in relationship with Yeshua, delight in communion with Him and in intimacy with Him. That is our delight. And it's our longing to see God, to see Yeshua face to face. That's our desire. We desire that intimate encounter with God. As long as we live In this body, though, recognize what that might mean. An encounter with God, sooner or later, is going to be overwhelming. Overwhelming when heaven breaks into earth. A powerful, powerful encounter here. It'll take the strength right out of us in a very good way. It will make us feel our weakness and our limitation, our finiteness. It will make us know that we are created beings. It will help us to see that the true and living God is glorious and awesome beyond our comprehending. And it is a a glorious thing to be zapped of our strength in the presence of of heaven it is a glorious thing it is a good thing it is a awful but it is good it's it's a it's a I call it a wonderful terrible kind of thing Daniel encountered this heavenly visitor now there was another person who had a, an encounter with a heavenly visitor and his name was John. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, John writes to the seven churches in verse 4 John, to the seven churches who are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Yeshua Mashiach, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Yeshua Mashiach, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Yeshua Mashiach. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. John, an elderly man, perhaps the same age as Daniel, at the time that Daniel had his vision, both perhaps in their 80s, perhaps getting close to 90. John, the longest living of the apostles, John was on the island of Patmos, a desolate rock, a prison rock, sent there because of his testimony. And in the midst of that time there, heaven came down. And John had an encounter with a heavenly being as well. In verse 11, this voice that he heard behind him like a trumpet said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. And then I turned to see the voice that spoke can you see a word can you see words he turned to see the voice who had spoke with me and having turned i saw seven golden lampstands seven golden menorahs and in the midst of the seven menorahs one like the son of man clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band his head and hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand, seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Now this vision, we know who it is. The scripture makes it clear. This is none other than our Messiah, Yeshua, showing up in his glorified state to John. And it says that John, when he saw him, in verse 17, fell at his feet as dead. So the similar kind of response happens to John as happened to Daniel. So perhaps the encounter that Daniel had was with the same person, perhaps. Perhaps it was actually Yeshua himself who appeared to Daniel. Daniel's strength was taken away from him. He retained no strength. And yet, back in Daniel chapter 10, and verse 9, it says, Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. And just as with John, if we would keep reading in the revelation, just as with John, that as he fell dead, he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. In verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hand. And he said, "O Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words I speak to you. And stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking to me this word, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. Do not fear. God only says that to his people. Isn't that glorious? God will scare the wits out of us, but then he'll say, Don't be afraid. Because we're in a relationship with him. Because he's taken care of everything we need to know him. To encounter him. To be with him now and throughout all eternity. All of it's wrapped up in Yeshua as we saw at the end of chapter 9. Everything is wrapped up in Yeshua and given to us as a gift that we receive by faith through his glorious grace. And therefore, we can hear that word, do not fear. Appropriate response to God is reverential awe and fear. And if it's really God, God will say, my son, my daughter, do not fear. Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. As we talked last time from chapter 9, I think God hears every prayer that you and I, his kids, pray. And I think an answer is formulated. And we talked about that before, that sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes no, sometimes not yet, sometimes wait a while. Sometimes there's a delay. Does your mind ever begin to go in a million different directions as to why there's a delay? What on earth are you doing, God? This is urgent. What I'm telling you, what I'm talking to you about, this is urgent. You need to act yesterday. And yet, there's more going on when you and I pray than what we realize. From the very moment that Daniel humbled himself in prayer, from the very first day, from the third of Nisan, Daniel's prayer was heard and an answer was actually sent. And now, we get into something that is mystery. We get into something that helps us to see reality. Verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Something happened on the way to answered prayer in the heavenly realms there are forces in this world that are evil. Scripture makes it clear that God has created everything. God has created principalities and powers seen and unseen. And God also makes it clear that there was a created being who was perhaps the highest of the angelic beings who came to a day when he began to say, I want to ascend, and essentially, I want to be God. Essentially, I want to take God's place. That is what that evil being began to say. Pride, arrogance, conceit, welled up within that being's heart. And that being then, other scriptures indicate, took a third of the angelic hosts with him. And those beings, created beings, in the mystery of God, those beings with free will chose to rebel against God and became the devil and his demonic forces. And in the hierarchy of world affairs, It appears that there is a demonic entity that relates to the kingdoms of this world. There was a prince of Persia, a prince of the kingdom of Persia. There was going to be the coming of the prince of the kingdom of Greece. And then we are told that there is also Michael. He is in other places called the archangel. In fact, in Daniel chapter 12, which we will come to in just a few weeks, we are told that Michael was actually responsible for the Jewish people, that his special assignment was Israel. And in fact, he is the one that fights for Israel to this day. Now, if there was a fiction book a few years ago that came out, called uh, This Present Darkness. And the author was writing fictionally about what it might look like when spiritual warfare happens in the heavenly realms. And I, I want to emphasize that books like that are fiction. We don't know what spiritual warfare in the heavenly realms looks like, but what we do know from this passage is that there are spiritual entities that are responsible for different places in this world and that influence the affairs of humanity, that influence governments. And we also see the amazing power and gift of prayer that you and I, as God's people, have the incredible privilege of influencing world events by our prayers. And in fact, God has designed and purposed that he will accomplish his purposes through our prayers. Do you realize that this is the most powerful gathering on the face of the earth? Kehalas like ours that follow Yeshua, that believe the word, that trust and walk with him in love and in faith, that you and I are the real movers and shakers on this planet. Because we have been given the gift, the privilege of communion with the Father, the King of the universe. And you and I, as we respond to God drawing us into prayer, you and I can accomplish on this earth through intercourse with heaven, what can happen in no other way. Now, I don't think demonic forces are more powerful than angelic forces. I, I think, even though there's the statement withstood in verse 13, I, I simply think that that carries with it more the idea of occupy in the sense that that evil force was doing something, was trying to speak negative words, To the king of Persia. And because of what he was doing. Then the angelic forces. And God himself were about. Going against that. Because you see. The people of God. Had been released. To go back to the land. And that was something that God had stirred. In the heart of this. The kings of Persia. That was something that God had done. And so mystery of mysteries there was spiritual battle if you will going on there was there was something going on in the heavenly realms and for some reason Michael was a key player in this and when he came then that released everything else to happen and the vision came to Daniel and Daniel then heard this so in verse 15 when He had spoken such words to me. I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. So the the overwhelming nature of this encounter was still upon Daniel. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men, touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord... Talk with you, my Lord, as for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Again, Daniel is feeling the weight of this heavenly encounter. And then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, again, fear not. Are you greatly beloved by the Father? If you belong to Yeshua, you are. One of the favorite words for believers in the Barit Hadashah, one of Shaul's favorite words for us is saint. Do you feel like a saint? Does your life look like a saint? In Yeshua, you and I are saints. In Yeshua, you and I are greatly beloved. Yeshua is the one who enables us to know and experience this unshakable love of the father for us. The father has said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I draw you with the cords of loving kindness with steadfast love. I draw you being totally wiped out physically by this encounter with the spiritual realm with heavenly Realities. It is so encouraging to hear the words, greatly loved, fear not, and shalom be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. Now, if anybody else said that to us but God Himself, we'd, and sometimes we say that to each other, be strong, or be this or be that. But you see, it's only when God says it that it's encouraging because whatever God commands, he enables. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Be strong. And he was strong. This whole section, this whole encounter with Michael and, and the demonic forces, this whole encounter of being strengthened by a simple word, this shows us that reality, that real ultimate reality, not all reality, but ultimate, the most important reality, is unseen. There are things going on that you and I can't see this morning. In the letter to the Ephesians, Shaul says, that actually the angelic beings, principalities, and powers are looking on our gathering. And they are marveling that we are a witness to the glory of the gospel, to the riches of the Messiah. They are looking in on us today. We have angels assigned to us. God says that angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who are inheriting salvation. That's you and I. You and I have at least one assigned to us. We were convinced, my wife and I, were convinced that our son Stephen had ten because of the things that he would get into and was protected from. However many angels God assigns to us, it's a certainty. Psalm 34 says that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. I was thinking about that the other day, living in the neighborhoods that we live in. The angel of the Lord encamps around us and rescues us. Ultimate reality is what we cannot see. Physical reality is real but not ultimate. That is why the most important thing in life is the will of God. Just a side note. Remember when Yeshua went away to the wilderness and the crowds followed him and he taught them because he had compassion on them. And at the end of the day, he came up with the idea, where did it come from to feed 5,000 plus people? Where did that come from? It was the heart of the father communicating to Yeshua the Messiah to do this blessed act. And what did they have available? A little boy's sack lunch, five loaves of bread, a couple of fish. That's it. You and I would look at that and say, can't be done. We don't have the resources. You shouldn't even offer to do that. The son heard the will of the father, communicated it to his followers and said, this is what's going to happen. By faith, they had the crowd sit down. Yeshua took that and spoke the blessing over the food. And he began to break it and pass it out. 5,000, it says, plus women and children. So there were anywhere up to to 20,000 people were there that day. And they had 12 baskets left over. You see, you and I base our living not on what we can see, but we base our living, our lives, on the resources of God and on the resources of heaven and on the will of God. That is the determining factor in our life. You and I have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And our father is infinitely wealthy. If if he's not supplying something for us in this moment, it's not because he has a lack. It's because in his wisdom, something else is going on. And he will help us in due course. So this heavenly messenger spoke to Daniel, fear not, and of the love of the Father, and strengthened him. And then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. And also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now I will tell you the truth. And then begins the vision. That was all prelude to the vision, but it helps us to see the glorious gift that God has given us in prayer. That you and I affect this world, affect the people in our lives through prayer. That the real power in this world is unseen and that our father and his kingdom is what we are invested in. That's where our hope is. God has given us all that we need to live in this world. He's given us all that we need to be in a relationship with him. And he has given us the glorious privilege of partnering with him in the accomplishing of his glorious purposes. Let's bow together in prayer. We praise you, Father, that you are the king of the universe. We praise you that you, your angelic hosts, your son, your spirit are in charge of this world. And even though, Father, there is resistance now, we thank you that the resistance is ultimately futile. We thank you, Father, that your kingdom is coming. And in our hearts, your kingdom is already here. And in this beachhead of heaven, this Kehela, your kingdom is here. And together we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father, that you will enable us by the power of your spirit to pray And all the ways you want us to, that you would accomplish through us all the purposes you have in mind. And ultimately, may we always base our lives on you and on your kingdom and on your will. And may all this be for the glory and the honor and the praise of your name through Yeshua, our Lord. Amen.